This morning, we're going to continue in our series from 2 Peter, Growing in Grace and Truth. And the topic we're going to look at this morning is false teachers, a clear and present danger. False teachers, a clear and present danger. This morning, uh, we'll look at 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10 through 22. That's found on page 1019 of the Pew Bibles that are provided for you. Let me just briefly uh, look back over the last couple weeks as we've taken a, a look at the closing verses of chapter 1 and the opening verses of chapter 2. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Sam left us with a four-point challenge as we looked at the end of chapter 1, four points that look at the authority of the Scripture in our lives. Pastor Sam left these four points. Number one, the supremacy of Scripture. The sufficiency of Scripture, point two. Point three, the saturation of Scripture. And the fourth point was the submission to Scripture. That's one that really resonated with me. Because at the end of the day, this is a bottom line objective. That's like they, they like to talk that way in business. A bottom line objective. At the end of the day, we need to live our lives in submission to the, the truth that God has given to us that's presented in the Scripture. So submission to the Scripture is a call that we all have, one that we need to all make sure that we pay close attention to. Last week, Pastor Joe covered the introductory verses of chapter 2. He challenged us with the issue of assessing the threat to the church. If Joe stressed that we must be able to recognize false teachers and expose them for the heretics that they are. Now, between chapter 1 and chapter 2, here lies chapter, chapter three, 1 and chapter 3, lies chapter 2. It's some very hard-hitting words about false teachers uh, Peter personally understands the importance to feed the people of God the truth of Scripture. That was very personal to him. It was made personal to him by his Lord Jesus Christ. If you recall back with me, back to the, uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 21, we find a very intimate scene between Jesus and his disciples. It's a scene where Jesus is feeding the disciples. And this was a very important point in, in Peter's ministry, in Peter's life. Jesus turns to Peter, uh, taking him through the fire, if you would, to refine his resolve to follow him. Jesus is making the linkage in Peter's mind that in order to love him, to love Jesus, Peter must love the flock. And Peter, Jesus challenged him in chapter 21, verse 14, and 15, and 16. Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. Verse 16 and 17 says, Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. Love and feed. Love and feed. That, you know, when it comes down to it, that's truly the call that God has put on the heart of a pastor, to love the flock of God and to feed them. 
that's a, a, a primary expectation. And it's not a surprise that we find Peter here at the end of his life doing exactly, exactly that. He's loving his Lord and he's feeding the flock. Now let's contrast that to the false teachers. The false teachers who follow Satan. Satan is the polar opposite of who God is, of who God is and what God wants for his people. Jesus came to love and to save. Satan comes to hate and to destroy. So in a take no prisoner chapter, Peter blasts away at the false teachers. It's raw, it's rough, and it's hard-hitting. And woe to any believer that does not pay attention to the vivid portrayal given by Peter concerning the nature of false teachers. False teachers hate him. They hate Jesus Christ. False teachers would want to destroy them, destroy the flock of Christ, the body of Christ. And 2 Peter chapter 2 is one of those passages that does not play well. It does not play well in a feel-good gospel culture. And sadly, our church cultures are becoming more and more and more that way. This is the kind of concern that even the Apostle Paul gave to the young pastor Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Listen at these words. Listen at these words of warning to Timothy and to the church. Verse 3 of that chapter says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Those are the characteristics of a feel-good gospel culture. And the truth of the matter is, that's really not the gospel at all. But instead, we need to preach and teach 2 Peter chapter 2 and protect the real gospel, the real gospel, which is food for our souls. And so it's in that tradition that those two great apostles, those two great pastors, that we, your pastors, come to you, the flock of God to proclaim the truth of the passage we have this morning. So last week, uh, Pastor Joe opened up chapter 2 and, and from verses 1 through 10. This morning, I'm going to go from 10, verses 10 to verse 22. And again, let me just remind you, Peter's pulling no punches. Uh, this is a difficult passage, especially when some parts are difficult to read in a public setting. But the Holy Spirit has given that to us for our learning. And as we get into looking at this closing chapters, closing verses of chapter 2, there's three points that I want to pull out this morning. Now, to, to help us walk through these three points, let's just take a look at these, these verses. Uh, I've, uh, I've kind of grouped these verses into five groups. I'm going to have those come on the screen here. And it really helps us to look at how false teachers are portrayed in, this, in these closing verses. Uh, the, the first group is, who are they? Verses 17 and 19. Uh, the second group is, what do they do? 
Uh, verses 10, 12, 13, 14, 15, and 18 presents that for us. Uh, the third group, who are they compared to? Verses 11, 16, 17, and 22. God's disposition towards for false teachers. Verses 20 and 21. And then what will happen to them? Verses 12 and 17. Let's take a look at some of these verses. From the first group, who they are. Listen to who God compares these false teachers to. Uh, they are, in verse 17, these are waterless springs and mist driven by a storm. You know, this last week we've had an awful lot of rain here in East Tennessee. Could you imagine having all of those clouds roll through our area and not one single drop of rain come out of them? Well, that's how these false teachers are. They are waterless springs and mist. They give all the promising of, of being there to benefit us, but there's nothing good that comes out of them. Uh, verse 17 closes out and says, For them, the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. What do they do? Verse 13 suffering wrong as the wage of their wrongdoing, they counted pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are blots and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions while they feast with you. This is the classic example of they'll smile at you and stab you in the back at the same time. Vile blemishes. Uh, the third group, who are they compared to? Verse 15, forsaking the right way, they have gone astray. They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Bor, who loved gain from, wrong, from wrongdoing. And then look at verse 22. What the proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit. And the sow, after washing herself, returns to wallow in the mire. Hard-hitting verses about who false teachers are compared to in Scripture. What is God's disposition towards them? Look at verse 20. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Then verse 21. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. That's how God feels towards them. It would have been better to never have tasted righteousness. And then that last group, what will happen to them? God's very clear about what's going to happen to these false teachers. Verse 12, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. And then verse 17 again, for them the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved. From this very plain reading of Scripture, it should be clear to us about the danger that Peter is presenting. 
false teachers are squarely in God's crosshair of anger and judgment. So let me be clear for you with you all this morning. If there are any false teachers among us this morning, would you please stand up and be acknowledged? <laughs> That's just what I thought. False teachers are nothing but cowards. <laughs> and don't you wish, don't you wish that it would be that easy that we could just call them out and, and they would just acknowledge who they are? But sadly, that's just how Satan and his gang operates. They sneak around, pretending they care about the flock of God, but their true motivation is to hate and to destroy. You know, Jesus made it very clear about what he thought about false teachers. Uh, the Gospel of John, again, chapter 10, lays out a very clear uh, reading from the mind of Christ about false teachers. He says, beginning in verse 10, that the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Verse 12, but he who is a, a hard hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees because the wolf will snatch them up and scatter them. He flees because he's a hard hand and cares nothing, cares nothing for the sheep. False teachers are not only cowards, they're nothing more than hard hands. They scatter when the sheep are the most vulnerable. And it's from this clear and present danger that Peter issues this warning concerning false teachers. And the three points that I want to cover this morning are these. Beware of the true nature of false teachers. Beware of the trappings of following false teachers. And beware of turning away from true teachers true teachers that are given to us by God in order to follow false teachers. So, so go, let's go back to verse 22. And let me read it again. What the true proverb says has happened to them. The dog returns to its own vomit, the V word. After washing herself, the sow returns to wallow in the mire. So, you know, I don't really like talking about the V word. Just ask my wife, Terry. She knows there's, there's things that I don't like to talk about, especially anything that has to do with vile bodily emissions. It's just not what I want to be over. <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes, the Lord just has a way of getting in your face. Uh, and this verse does that for me. It just throws up all over me. <laughs> just like the V word. Okay. But in spite of our southern sensibilities, this morning, just hang in there with me just a moment. Why would this analogy be made, a dog returning to the V word? And why compare false teachers to that? Well, here's the deal. And not to give a complete biological description of why dogs do what they do, but here's the essence. The essence of that, within the context of the V, within that vileness, there's bits and pieces of truth. And a dog is willing to lap it all up just to get, because they're, off, they're thrown off by those bits 
and pieces of good. Folks, it's all about the packaging. It's all about the packaging. False teachers are very skilled at mixing in just a little bit of truth and attempt to, to get you to swallow the entire package of lies. Let me say that again. False teachers are very skilled at mixing in just a little bit of truth in an attempt to get you to swallow the entire package of lies. That's what happened to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3. Satan presented Adam and Eve just a little bit of truth in the midst of a vile package. So captured by what appeared to be good, they swallowed the whole thing. Out of the core of the heart of a false teacher comes the V word that undiscerning believers will lap up if we're not careful. You know, at least with dogs, you can genuinely love and trust them. But when it comes to false teachers, you can never love nor trust a false teacher. A teacher. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus says, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth goes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and that defiles the person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witnesses, and slander. That is what defiles a person. And when it comes to dining at the table of a false te teacher, there's nothing but vomit there in that table of lies. And I really hope that doesn't gross you out. And my apologies if it does, but don't get fooled by the package. A false teacher has nothing to offer but vile, evil destruction. A false teacher corrupts the truth of God to mislead you, to, to trick you into turning from God to destruction. That's what verse 12 says. Verse 12 says, but these, like irrational animals, creatures of instinct, born to be caught and destroyed, blaspheming about matters of which they are ignorant, will also be destroyed in their destruction. It is the very instinct of a false teacher to hide the truth and spew out lies. Don't fall for it. Amen? So that's the, sec the second point I want to bring about is beware of the trappings of false teachers. You know, why do false teachers present a, a message that truly hides its real implication? Well, because they're doomed for destruction. Again, verse 19, look at it. It says, they promised them freedom, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. Buying into false teaching will leave you with enslavement. False teachers promise what they cannot deliver. And that's not surprising because in their very nature, it's very, it stands in opposition to what they are promising. You know, here's, here's what false teachers promise. False teachers promise that you can be free from financial worries, that you can be free 
from health concerns. False teachers teach that you can be free from bad relationships. False teachers teach that you need to live your best life now. False teachers teach that you can have your cake and eat it too. But Peter's telling us, don't buy into that lie. It's a promise that simply does not deliver. Why? Because false teachers are themselves slaves of corruption. What comes out of them is corruption. Now, it's interesting. The, the, the word that Peter chose to use for corruption is a very, very interesting Greek word. It's a Greek word that points to the fact that the end state for those people is an eternity in hell. Just think about it. And, you know, just think about the fact that even for the false teachers that are among us this morning, we can't get them to acknowledge themselves. Do you think that they will acknowledge that they're leading you down a path of destruction? They won't tell you the truth, but we will. Peter says that it leads to enslavement. And that just doesn't sound like freedom to me. Now, let me put this proposition out there for you to think about. Can a true disciple be deceived by a false teacher and follow their teaching? Can a true disciple be deceived by a false teacher? Sadly, the answer is yes. The New Testament writers constantly exhorted us to look at our beliefs, to look at our behaviors, and to make sure that they were aligned with Scripture. Listen what Paul, the Apostle Paul said uh, as he closed out his letter to the church at Rome, chapter 16, verses seven, starting at 17, and, and I also read verse 18. Paul talking to the Roman church, chapter 16. And here's verse 17. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. And then verse 18. For such persons, false teachers, do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the heart of the naive. Deceive is in the present tense. It means that even as we are here listening to them, or when you're in their presence and they're teaching contrary to doctrine, you can be deceived. Don't be naive. Do not follow teaching that is contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. You know, naivety has at its root the meaning that someone will follow anything without asking questions. Now, that doesn't mean we should question any and everything just for the sake of questioning. You know, that's really just becoming a pain. <laughs> Rather, within the context of what Paul is presenting, you should question anything that runs counter to the doctrine that you have been taught. As believers, we need to hold fast to sound teaching and doctrine. And, and that's what sets the stage that when, a, when a, a false teacher comes to you with smooth talk and flattery and an attempt to deceive, you ought to be able to recognize it very quickly. False teachers hate doctrine unless it's their doctrine. 
And their doctrines tell you that the teachings of the truth of the Bible is antiquated and it's out of step with our modern times. False teacher doctrine appeases to our appetites to have things our way as fast as we can get them. False teacher doctrine is based on, as Peter outlines first in chapter 2 again, verse 18, false teacher doctrine is based on passions of the flesh. In verse 14 of chapter 2, false teacher doctrine is based on having eyes full of adultery, of having hearts trained in greed. False Teacher doctrine in verse 15 rejects the right way. And look here, once you get on that merry-go-round of false doctrines, it's hard to get off. It's hard to get off. You know, sadly, we are living in a day where often there's very little difference between the church and the world. The church is being enticed by false teachers to join in the party of living large and getting the most out of this life that is possible. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah said about people who buy into that mentality, that today is all that we have. They say, behold, they enjoy joy and gladness, killing oxen and slaughtering sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. For they say, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. For tomorrow we die. This is it. False teachers lay that mentality on us. That's the core of what they teach. But let me be clear. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with Christians having a good time and enjoying the world that God has given to us. Praise God for all that he's done for us. You ought to take time to enjoy life. But we need to remember that we're on a mission. And our mission is to build up the kingdom of God. False teachers understand that that is what God wants his church to focus on, so they attack. The false teachers attack. So this morning, we recognized our graduating high school seniors. Where did they go? (laughs) You know, it's always a special time. Uh, Terry and I have uh, experienced this three times, and And as parents, it is just a a moving experience to see those pictures flash on the screen and to see our little babies grow up and become people. And we just sit back and we we think about how fast time has flown. And and I do congratulate each of our seniors. Well done. Just a well done job. But but here's here's some words of encouragement that I, I want to pass on to each and every one of them. That as they they begin that next journey in life, they need to keep in mind that false teachers are there to impact their hearts and their minds. Wherever these seniors find themselves next, whether they're continuing their educations or they're going to serve their community or country, or they're going to take that well-deserved extended vacation, Satan has a plan to to, to lead them to deprioritize the importance of God in their lives. He will begin to attack what they've been taught, especially the doctrines of the church. He'll promise them freedom, but what he really offers is enslavement. And, and it's an enslavement that will leave them in the deepest bondage that they will ever experience. Satan is licking at the chops, 
for the first opportunity to begin eating away at that foundation that they've been taught and they've been given for these last 18 years or so. Many of them will be leaving home for the first time. They're going to be experiencing a personal level of freedom that they've never had before. And Satan will try to convince them that the teachings of the church are out of step with the freshness that the world has to offer. Just a few points this morning. Satan will try to erode in the mind of our young people that marriage is only between a man and a woman. He will try to attack that institution. But that's exactly how God defines marriage, between a man and a woman. False teachers will attempt to convince you that one's sexuality is a private matter. I choose to love who I want when I want to. But the Bible teaches very clearly that any sexual activity other than that blessed by the marriage of a man and woman is sin. Any sexual activity. False teachers will attempt to convince our young people uh, that attending worship on a regular basis comes second to all the other demands on my schedule. But the Bible teaches that we must never neglect the assembling of the saints together for the purpose of worship. Here's the point. Don't be so naive and allow that everything the church has taught you to be swept away by the false trappings of what false teachers claim they can give you. If I had to, here's some advice that I would continue to give uh, to our young people. If they are, planning, they are planning to attend college, for instance, I would, I would tell them, go and find a strong faith-based student group as soon as possible. They're going to have many opportunities to, to join many other groups, but it is so important to continue to link up with a body of believers, even at university. If their journey takes them away from Knoxville, Here's my advice. Find an evangelical church as soon as possible that is teaching the word of God and join. And look, uh, tell them wherever they may end up, if they have questions about churches in the area that are good, solid Bible teaching churches, come back and ask us. We often have insight into many of the churches that are scattered around our country. I would say to our graduating seniors, if the Lord has it that you're staying here in Knoxville, well, stay here at West Park with us. We need your help. There's a, the next group that's coming behind you, and we need your help in training them and, and shepherding them. The bottom line is that our young people, our old people as well, we need to continue to understand God's call upon our lives. As believers in Jesus Christ, there's nothing more important than to give the highest level of priority to our relationships with Christ. You know, false teachers will seek to entice you, to entice each of us with the trappings of their false doctrine. Don't fall for it. So that brings me to the third point. We need to be aware of the nature of false teachers. And we need to be aware of the trappings 
of following false teachers. But we should always be aware of turning away from true teachers, turning away from true teachers to follow false teachers. You know, I present the fact that when it comes to a false teacher, God has already decided what he's going to do with them. God has already decided what he's going to do with these false teachers. Let me read that again. Verse 20 of chapter 2. For if, after they have escaped the defilements of the world through knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them than the first. Look at verse 21. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. False teachers will never be able to claim that they've not heard the truth of God. They cannot stand behind the lie, well, if only someone had told me the truth. That's simply not the case. Uh, Instead, the reality is they have rejected the truth. And that is the truth. And, you know, that's what Jesus said would happen anyway, that if we reject the truth, we would stay in bondage. Whereas if we accept the truth, the truth will set us free. You know, in establishing his church, Jesus has determined that the responsibility to ensure that his people are taught well falls to pastors. Pastors don't have to do all the teaching, but they must ensure that what is taught lines up with Scripture. The Bible is very clear that the expectation of pastors must be that they need to ensure that anyone who teaches in God's house, who teaches God's people, must stay true to the truth of Scripture. False teachers will like to erode. Listen to me, church. False teachers would like to erode the authority that pastors have to guide the church of Jesus Christ. False teachers want the sheep to become biting sheep, sheep who push back against the authority of pastors to exhort the flock to holiness. Now, I am not saying that pastors are free to teach and do whatever comes to mind. That is plain heresy and runs counter to the teachings of Scripture. Listen at what James says in James 3.1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with, with a stricter judgment. Let those words sink in, teachers. You are facing a stricter judgment when you become and take on the role of being a teacher. Like Jesus taught this as well. One of the verses that's most impactful to me is out of Matthew chapter 18. It's a passage that comes out of the context of Jesus' teaching about how important the little children are to him. And we all are little children when it comes to Christ. And Jesus teaches about how important it is for those who have, who have charge over these little ones to lead them properly. And Jesus issues one of the harshest warnings in the Bible concerning the consequences of leading his little ones astray. 
His words are in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6. And listen at these words. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to sin, it would have been better to have had a great millstone fastened around his neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I call this the millstone effect. Can you imagine a 2,000-pound millstone wrapped around your neck and cast off into the depths of the sea? If you lead God's people astray, that's the faith that awaits you. You know, that's worse than eating vomit. And it's a faith, and it's a judgment that I am, 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 am ready to run completely away from in my ministry, as well as every pastor that's here at West Park. Pastors are not free to teach and dream up anything. We must stay with the truth of scriptures. So as I, as I bring this to a conclusion this morning, and we've talked about beware of the truth of false teachers and beware of the trappings of following false teachers and, and beware of, of turning away from true teachers, there is no greater call on Peter's ministry than to handle properly the word of God. We are challenged to rightly divide the word of God and to present clear proof that we've done so. We are charged to not be ashamed of what we preach and teach to God's people. So we invest heavily in the study of God's word. We spend a considerable amount of time weekly studying God's word. We sharpen each other by discussing doctrine and, and application. We are constantly in prayer to understand what the needs of the flock are so that we can apply the teachings of Scripture properly. And we know that we will be held accountable to God to do so. We love the flock. And to the best of our abilities, we try to model our lives in such a way that you have no doubt that we love you. False teachers won't do that. It's our privilege to serve you as, as pastors. It's our privilege to stand up here and, and talk about the V word. Because we love you. Because God loves you. Jesus challenged Peter, feed the flock. Feed the flock. If you love me, feed the flock. And we just pray that at, here at West Park, we continue to hold true to that command from Scripture. So I'm going to ask you to close, close your eyes as we go to prayer. Doug's going to come and, and, and lead us in our closing uh, hymn and, and prayer. But as we do so, keep in mind the great challenges that we have to expose the false teachers for who they are. So, Father, as we, as we come to the, the close of this service, as, as we come to just worship you for who you are, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you for these, your people, that you've gathered. We, we especially thank you, Lord, for our graduating seniors. Bless them, Lord. Keep them. Help them to stay true to the doctrines that they've been taught. We thank you for all that you have done and all that you continue to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen.